So you can spend so much money and you can spin your wheels just mm -hmm. when you're disorganized and you're not really being efficient. Um, it just allows you to move so much faster when you yourself and your team are on the same page and you have the right processes to, to go forward and go quickly. Create your life. Create your own Create your life. Beautiful people, happy Sunday. How are you? Uh, shout out to the Facebook family who are here, uh, you know, on uh, Facebook Live, checking us out today. Uh, it's a great Sunday here in New York. The weather's changing a little bit. Um, and we have actually a really, really uh, great guest in the studio today. But before we bring her on and we talk about her greatness and the things that she's accomplished in life so far, because there's a lot more that she's going to be doing and that she is doing, uh, we got to catch up. So over the last week, I've I've seen and, and had a, a lot of uh, a lot of I guess omens come to me. You know, a lot of different things that I know uh, that I had to pay attention to. And one of the biggest ones I would have to say is is this week I really see the power in simplifying. And when I say simplify, it just means just take some of the just trim the fat. Um, and that for me showed up a lot in processes. Uh, Noah, who's on the team actually here in the studio with, with me right now, we were talking about some of the things that we've been doing on the show as far as, you know, with video and things like that. And he, we, he and I literally had maybe a three or four hour conversation where we just discussed how we could move better and do things more efficiently. Um, and that how powerful that would be and just to exert less energy and really work towards the things that are going to grow the show and grow the brand of Create Your Life. And so, that showed up really, really huge for me this week. Another thing that I saw that was really good was uh, something that Antonia Badone, who's on before us, that she says, after every single show, she says, when you wait on others, you give your power away. And when I waited, I was actually waiting because we're doing our second ambition event, which is called uh, Ambition. This is number two, how to move from nine to five to full time passion. That's November 9th at WeWork Harlem. But I was waiting, you know, trying to uh, make some things happen where we might be moving locations and things like that. And I was waiting on other people in order to make the event happen until it just came out that we just had to go ahead and just press go and just go with what our initial idea was and just move forward. And so Create Your Life family, I want you to know that just go with your gut and just stick. To, if you say you're going to do it, just stick to it and see it through, you know, and you can remix it or revise it at another time. But don't wait on other people to give you access and, and permission to do what you already are destined and, you know, want to do. And another thing that showed up really big uh, this year is, you know, we have uh, success amnesia a lot of times as entrepreneurs and self-starters. Self and that means that we don't acknowledge the greatness or the things that it is that we do. Or we, you know, have imposter syndrome where we feel like we shouldn't be in a room. And so I had the opportunity to work with another friend and we did a third quarter assessment where we wrote out our successes, our challenges, you know, uh, the things that we've done for ourselves to make us happy and uh, health and wellness and all of these things. And I realized, you know, when we started to 
uh, write these things out. We were doing it on Excel spreadsheet. I had like over 90 um, columns or, yeah, columns filled or rows filled, different lines of things that were big that happened in, a, in just that quarter. And to see that and acknowledge it uh, was very humbling, but also really uh, helped me know that, you know what I mean, to keep going and that we are doing amazing things and amazing work every single day and to not necessarily be really attached to what it looks like. So, Create Your Life Series family, if you're interested in learning more on how it is that we crush our goals and our 30-day goals challenges and things like that, then I want you to really, really um, email us, info at CYL Series, and with the subject line of 30-day goals, and I want you to email us so that we could uh, get you a part of that community and that exclusive group to make some amazing things happen. And now we're talking about making some amazing things happening and being a part of an exclusive group. Um Create Your Life Series family, I want to introduce you to none other than Miss Lauren Washington, who is the CEO and co-founder of the Keep Up app. Lauren, please say hello to the Create Your Life Series family. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolute pleasure. Uh, Lauren, we met uh, at the Entrepreneur Summit in Houston um, uh, via Black Enterprise. It was good to sit, sit across from you at the table. Um, and when you were telling me about your app, I was like, dude, that sounds so amazing. Um, can you tell us a little more about Keep Up and uh, what you've been up to? Yeah, absolutely. So Keep Up, what we do there is automate social media listening. So what that means is we go through all of your different social media channels, find the most important events, things like birthdays, weddings, new jobs, and then pull them all into one place so that you, first of all, never miss an event. And second of all, so that you can manage everything from that one place. So you can send birthday uh, cards, gifts uh, for businesses that are able to send discounts or congratulations out to you. So it really allows you to cut through the clutter and figure out your social media life. Um, I started that in 2014 after working for a social media company where we were really going through this big data analysis and mm -hmm. using keywords and queries to pull things out. And I thought if these big companies are paying all this money to do this, there has to be a way to simplify this and make it accessible for the everyday user and for their small business. And so that's how Keep Up got started. Wow. And I'm just going to circle back to what I initially said. Um, when I said that you are in this exclusive group and, you know, mm -hmm. you won in 2014, you won the uh, a competition mm -hmm. out of 7000 people. You were one of 11 winners. Please tell us a little bit about that competition and what it was like to, you know, be prepared well, I don't know if I was fully prepared for it, but we won the 43 North competition, which mm -hmm. is based out of Buffalo. It's Governor Andrew Cuomo's initiative to bring back Buffalo. So their whole idea is that they're going to give out $5 million a year to bring really promising entrepreneurs into the city and build their businesses there. So we were fortunate enough to be one of the first uh, in the first class mm -hmm. and we won $250,000. We moved to Buffalo, we got incubator space and we're really able to kick off our company. We had only been working on it for a couple months at that point. But I, I think you talk about the earlier you were talking about this idea of imposter syndrome and that you weren't you don't feel ready for something and we may not have felt ready, but we still want it anyway. Right. Um, even though we didn't think that we were as great as the other companies that were there because they had been working on their stuff for years, there mm -hmm. was obviously something they saw in us. So you need to step up to that challenge and take it. And we did. And I'm really glad we did because it was helped us build out our business. 
Yeah. And so when you won the competition, you were blessed with Mm $250,000, but you had to move to Buffalo. Yeah. (laughs) What was that experience like? And as a matter of fact, how long had Keep At been in uh, existence before you went out and said, you know what, I'm going to do this competition? We were really just in the early stages. We had built out the initial, uh, what they call an MVP, so minimum viable product. Absolutely. Uh, We got it onto the app store. And then from there, we really just started applying to a lot of different competitions. And 43 North was the first one that came through. And moving to Buffalo, for me, it was a no-brainer. I know people have their own (laughs) uh, conceptions about what Buffalo is like. Right. But... First of all, I love the city. It, I had no expectations going in, but once I that got there, I, I really enjoyed it. I feel mm-hmm. like it's an entrepreneurial city in and of itself. It's sort of getting this whole comeback. Um, mm-hmm. They had this devastation years ago, and now the city's rebuilding. There's a lot of millennials moving there, creating um, a lot of new restaurants and new companies and uh, building out the the real estate there. So it's, it's exciting to be a part of that. And I think when you... S- look at the opportunity that they give you for your company. It doesn't, I I didn't even think twice about taking it. The $250,000, the incubator space, the press that we would get, um, the the peers that we had within Mm -hmm. that space, it all made sense. And moving to Buffalo was just a a piece of that. Okay. What did, so uh, me going to Buffalo, I've only been there for Niagara Falls. Okay. (laughs) Um, And I was there maybe for about 24 hours. What, Mm -hmm. what was so nice about Buffalo? I'm just curious. I think it was just the energy. I mean, Mm -hmm. just seeing all these people who are from there, Mm -hmm. a lot of people left and moved back, and they're so excited about this city and bringing the city back. You can't beat that kind of energy. It's similar Mm -hmm. to what's happening in Detroit, where people Mm -hmm. are just like, they're putting everything they can in order to build this back up. So that I really liked. And for an entrepreneur, it's so accessible. It's Mm -hmm. affordable, Mm -hmm. uh, much more so than New York City. Um, So you can really focus in and not worry about where you're going to pay your $3,000 rent or whatever you're paying here in New York City. It makes a a huge difference. Mm -hmm. So you're really able to focus in and, and work on your company there. And so you had a team of seven that you had to take up to Buffalo, right? So two of us moved up there and we okay. had a team of seven right. yeah, helping us that year. Mm-hmm. So one, of, I think one of the biggest misconceptions about when you get your, let's say, a round of seed funding or funding, right? Mm-hmm. When you're awarded funding is that it's going to last for a long time. Like what were some of the, how, how did that go? Because that was 2014, that was three years ago, now it's 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, are you guys still surviving? Is the company still surviving off of that initial investment? Or did you have to pivot? What were some of the changes that you've had to make along this, this way? Um, this journey. Yeah, I mean, we were really lucky to get the $250,000, particularly mm-hmm. um, as a black woman in tech. I think you mentioned that um, only 0.2% percent of mm-hmm. venture capital goes to black women. And 7% to women overall, right? Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Only 14 black women have raised over a million dollars. I think 80 have raised over 100,000. So for us to win that was mm-hmm. huge, um, not only for ourselves, but for the larger community. Yes. Um, but it doesn't last forever. $250,000 seems like a lot, but it can go really fast mm-hmm. when you have to put money into development, when you have to worry about uh, salaries and things like that. So you really have to make sure that you're planning for the future and that you're planning for the worst <laughs> and that you're in it for the long haul. Right. So for us, 
that 250000 we've spent it, but that doesn't mean that our company is done. I've been bootstrapping a lot. Um, we've found other people to, to kind of put in money to keep us going. Right. And then building out a sustainable business model is key from the beginning. And that's something that um, I learned that I wish I had done in the mm-hmm. very beginning. Uh, we pivoted to something that right. was more sustainable, but mm-hmm. had we done it from the beginning and then used that money to accelerate that business model, um, I think that would have made a huge difference. But you, you live and you learn you as live entrepreneur. <laughs> Especially, right. Yeah. If you're not bumping your head against the wall or hiding under a pillow at some point, I don't know if you're a real entrepreneur. Right. Um, <laughs> so you you pivoted. What was one of the key indicators that you needed to switch up your business model? And what was your business model initially? And what did it become? So we started off as a consumer app and mm-hmm. we were looking through consumers uh, different social media accounts and finding the important events and pulling them out. And the mm-hmm. business model around that was that we were going to get a lot of consumers in and then serve ads to them, mm-hmm. which was very big in 2014. Right. But it sort of took a hit with uh, with Twitter and Snapchat and a, a lot of the feedback that came back out of that where they weren't really making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So investors tended to turn away from right. that sort of business model. Um, so what we found was that we really needed to find something that was sustainable and we ended up switching into business recently so mm-hmm. uh, a b2b play where right. we go in for businesses and sort of use the same back end we find the different events and then allow them to serve ads uh, one-on-one to their consumers mm-hmm. and that was a lot more sustainable and, and the way that we figured that out not only was it coming from investors but then it was also coming from other uh, businesses that talked to us and said we could use this and when you hear that multiple times, you realize that you have a good product market fit. So follow the people who are saying that they need something um, and create a solution for it. Mm -hmm. Mm. I I love that because I feel like oftentimes listening is undervalued. Oh, yeah. You know, especially (laughs) when you're the entrepreneur or when you're an authority to some, you know, extent, then you, you know, a lot of times people, they think that they, you can't dictate the market. Your consumer dictates what happens Mm -hmm. and what it is that you provide to them. So I really uh, like that. Now, you went from being a teacher at Teach for America to now in tech, you know, X amount of years later. How does one go make this transition? It's it's a good question. Um, I did start at Teach for America. Mm -hmm. I then went into online marketing. So I I, very early on in my career when I was working at InStyle Magazine Mm -hmm. and TV Guide, uh, I was in, at the beginning of sort of this business social media marketing when people were using Facebook pages to uh, sort of jerry-rig them in order to promote their businesses. I was doing MySpace campaigns. That really dates me. Nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> we were at the very beginning when Twitter started and yeah. how were we going to integrate this into our business. So I saw all of that and have kind of grown with it throughout my career. And I think jumping to from teaching to online marketing to tech um, to all these different things. It's really just about being open and willing to take a risk mm-hmm. and finding opportunities where you can grow. So that's, for me, the biggest thing in my career. It's not about taking a great title or figuring out um, you know, where I'm going to make the most money. It's where yeah. am I going to grow as a person and where am I going to grow my skill set. And I've been lucky enough to be in an industry where we have been growing um, and it continues to grow and change um, and my skill set matches that. Okay. What do you feel like have been some of the the most pivotal moments or a defining moment for you where you said, you know what, I have to jump out the window and create, create, I mean, keep up app because, mm-hmm. you know, like that, what was that defining moment for you? 
So I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, it's it's always been burning in the back of my head. Um, since I was 11, yeah. I had a babysitting business. I was selling tomatoes that I sourced from my neighbor's garden um, <laughs> and to all of my other neighbors. Uh, I, I had like five different jobs. And I, I knew that I wanted to own something because mm-hmm. for me, owning something and creating it from the bottom up is just the most exciting and the most creative process that you can have. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just nothing like that. And I think after being in corporate for a long time, going back to business school uh, and getting a lot of experience on the agency side, I realized that I just needed to start creating something for myself. I was helping all of these huge global companies create their businesses and grow them. And Mm. at some point, I just wanted to build something on my own. And like I said, when I was working at uh, the last company I was at, this idea sort of popped in my head. And I said, this is my million dollar idea. And I just sort of jumped right into it. I, I didn't quit my job right away, which okay. a lot of people think that you yeah. have to. Um, started working on it on the side and then just felt like when it was a real opportunity, um, it, it's time to quit and go full force. Okay. Uh, how did, if at all, did business school uh, help you with uh, being an entrepreneur? Yeah, I think there's always that debate about whether you should go to business school to be an entrepreneur or not. Uh, for me, it made sense in my career at the time because all of the positions I wanted mm-hmm. had an MBA in them. So mm-hmm. for me, it was like, I have to get an MBA in order to move forward in my career. Um, I wouldn't say that I use everything in all my class notes, but what it did teach me is how to create frameworks and think through things. And then it also gave me confidence. <laughs> so I mean, going to business school and being among some of the best, brightest minds in business gives mm-hmm. you the confidence that to know that you can succeed as well. Yeah. Um, it's an expensive <laughs> way to get confidence, but mm-hmm. it, it really did show me, especially because I didn't come from that world mm-hmm. initially and, and my family wasn't really in that world that I could sort of hack it among right. these people. Uh, I love it. Well, I feel like New Yorkers. You're a native New Yorker. Uh-huh. From which part? I'm from Staten Island. Okay, originally. from SI. Yeah. Right. Um, I feel like native New Yorkers, they can hack it anywhere. I, I just feel like, you know, you guys are just on a different level um, when it comes to exposure at such a young age because mm-hmm. you have so many different communities and things that, that go on. That being said, uh, you gave out three personality traits of an entrepreneur in one of your past interviews. Um, you said that an entrepreneur should be creative organized and flexible um can you expound upon that for us tell us a little bit more and why those three things out of everything else uh matter to you most in the in the traits of an entrepreneur yeah absolutely and i think this is it probably is different for everyone but Mm -hmm. i think creative comes from the fact that you're going to have to figure out creative solutions for everything that you're doing i mean there's you're gonna come up against a wall probably almost every single day. And if you can't figure out some creative solutions around it and a ways to be resourceful, you're, mm-hmm. you're never going to make it through. Um, I think in terms of being organized, that's really important. You were talking earlier about creating a spreadsheet and, and being efficient in things. So you can spend so much money and you can spin your wheels just mm-hmm. when you're disorganized and you're not really being efficient. Um, it just allows you to move so much faster when you yourself and your team are on the same page and you have the right processes to, to go forward and go quickly. Mm. Um, and then the flexibility part. I mean, you're you you have you always have this idea of what is going to happen, and that is absolutely not 
the way that it works for entrepreneurs. So you have to be flexible. You have to be willing to roll with the punches. Um, I call it an entrepreneur roller coaster because it really is just you're up one day, down the next. You have to be willing and ready to to kind of take all those things on and be flexible and know that you have this this goal in the end and you'll get there eventually yeah so you said something that i there's like this this meme it's a graphic of an entrepreneurial's day Mm -hmm. yeah and it literally takes you you have like the high of your life Mm -hmm. and then you're like you have the low of your life then you're like at mid-level then you're like the guys or the girls like pulling out their hair (laughs) and then it's so Mm -hmm. much it's such a roller coaster um that it's just really like you said i call it you know it's a marathon Mm -hmm. it is not a race it's not a sprint yeah no not at all so you being organized um speaking on that how do you stay organized you know being at your Mm -hmm. ceo you know, you have all of these different things coming up. You got an event coming up on Tuesday mm-hmm. uh, for something that you co-founded called Black Girls Talk Tech. Black Women Talk Tech. Black Women mm-hmm. Talk Tech. Sorry. Um, how do you stay organized? How does Lauren keep it all together? Um, I stay organized uh, with very detailed to-do lists. So my okay. to-do list is so long, yeah. um, but it, it helps me take off that um, the mental energy. So I don't have to like constantly sit and think about something if I write it down I know it's going to get done Um, so that's definitely number one for me and then I think communication and and creating process with your team is Mm. really important so making sure that um, you're you're not just kind of sending 100 emails back and forth about something that Mm -hmm. could get done through creating a very simple process that's really important for me and it's really important to do from the beginning I think you forget as a startup to do that you think it's supposed to be messy and it is to some extent but you can create process from the beginning that will help you sort of work better together okay now you talked about to a detailed to-do list sometimes we have to-do lists that just become too daunting mm-hmm. and you're like dude there's 50 things on here really mm-hmm. or you have to-do lists in different places how do you stay motivated when your list gets a bit long you know what i mean and you like okay you know i got this list for this i got this list for that like how do you you know keep it keep it together and keep pushing yeah, it can be daunting. You're you're totally right. But I think you just have to prioritize. You have mm-hmm. to know what's important and what can get pushed off to the side. So for within that to-do list, I always put a date on it. So tomorrow I'm working on these three things. I get mm-hmm. them done. If I if I have time, I'll work on some of the other things on the side. But it's it's really about knowing your priorities and knowing what's most important for, for you and for your business. Because it can't all just be about business. You have to have time to rest, relax, exercise, <laughs> eat well, connect with family and friends. I mean, that stuff is important too, so that you can sustain in the long run. Right. Self-care. What are some of the things that you do to, uh, to take care of Lauren? Yeah. Um, yeah. I definitely um, exercise. That's huge for me. It helps me clear my mind a mm-hmm. couple times a week, um, talking to friends and family and not just venting, but connecting. I think mm, sometimes I like as an entrepreneur, you have the, <laughs> the ability to just go in and you want to vent about all of your issues. But sometimes it's about letting that go and just connecting and getting back to, to who you are as a person. That's really important. Um, and then for me, it's uh, reading. So I read probably 50 or 60 books a year um, that wow. sort of keeps my mind going. It keeps gives me new solutions. Um, it, it sort of takes me into different places. Um, so that's really a big thing for me, too. That's impressive. What's your favorite book? Or give us oh, top God, three I, books. I that have, Can you give us like <laughs> a top three that have really like Im- impacted you? That's a hard question. I, I mean, I read a lot. Um, let's see. 
Give us one and why then. One that really sticks one. out to you. I'm trying to think of one recently that I've read. Um, a really interesting book I read was called uh, What If We're Wrong mm -hmm. uh, by Chuck Palotnik. I think that's how he says his last name. Mm -hmm. But it basically looks at the future... Uh, from the past, the point of view of the past. Mm -hmm. So he's saying if we, the way that we in the present look at everything in the past, how are people in the future going to look at us? And mm -hmm. so it's, it's really kind of mind blowing, but mm -hmm. it really sort of takes you outside of your present and takes you outside of like the day-to-day the -day news articles that you're reading and everything and, and looking at the, the much bigger picture. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really interesting, especially as an entrepreneur. You know, we want to create... Um, for some people, create a legacy. So right. how do you do something like that that really has that long-lasting view 100 years into the future? Uh, and this book sort of gives you some insights into that. It was really interesting. The big buzzword is, oh, I got to create an app. I got to create an app. I got to create an app. A lot of people were just thinking, okay, I just want to go create an app even before they even do customer development. What does that process actually look like and what has it looked like for you? Yeah, I think a lot, like you said, it is a buzzword and a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to create an app. It's really fast and easy, but creating an app is still creating a business. Mm -hmm. You have to think that through from, like you said, customer research all the way through product development and, and then into optimization of it. So for us, it was easy for us to create our MVP, but once we got deeper into um, all of the, the things that we really needed for that. We realized mm -hmm. that we had to bring an in-house team. We had to really think through the back-end piece of it. We had to make sure that we were um, really creating an app that worked. Uh, and that's that's totally different from just throwing something up on the App Store because you can probably get an app into the App Store pretty easily. Right. But when you're thinking about your long-term business and you're thinking about creating something that's going to be sustainable, mm -hmm. um, you really have to think about it as a larger business. And it doesn't always fit your audience either. Mm -hmm. So everyone thinks, oh, I'm going to do an app. But sometimes being uh, in a website is better or sometimes creating a, a service through email is better. Right. So you really have to think about and talk to your customers and, and know and understand what their needs are and how to best deliver those needs to them. One of the things that has been coming up for me a lot, I'm in, a, in an accelerator right now called SLP, our startup leadership program. And I see that I see the importance of customer development because you can literally create the app, as you said, and get it into the store. But if you do it and it's a dud because nobody knows that it exists or it's not attacking the actual need that people want mm -hmm. then you just wasted a lot of time you know what i mean for essentially nothing time and money and resources mm -hmm. you know and time being the most important because it's something that you can't get back yeah. uh that being said for you what has been the most challenging aspect of being an entrepreneur uh in on this journey so far i I think the most challenging thing is managing financials and bringing in uh, investment into mm -hmm. the company. So, so that's been really tough, keeping your company afloat. So if you have money, you can probably solve most other problems that you have. Mm -hmm. um, so creating something where you have a sustainable business model and you have revenue coming in or you have a product that appeals to investors. Um, and then managing that money, like you said earlier, so that it lasts for the long term and you're putting it in the right places to mm -hmm. accelerate your business. That's really tough. Um, and and I, I think for everyone, most businesses fail because they they haven't figured the money piece out. What are some of the resources or some of the things, even workshops or 
programs that you've gone through in order to enhance your understanding of money and how to manage it when it comes to your business? Uh, well, I got my MBA, so that was kind of helpful okay. <laughs> to, to go through that. But I think there's a lot of books out there. There's a lot of courses where you can um, go in and figure this out. And then I think it's also about bringing on a team. So don't think that you could you have to do this yourself. Right. Uh, I have an accountant. I have a lawyer who looks through contracts and things. Um, I have a friend who was, is in finance and, and he looks through stuff for me and looks through my budget and makes mm -hmm. sure that um, I'm keeping everything right. So don't feel like you have to do this yourself uh, mm -hmm. because you, you might miss something or yeah. um, if, if you don't know, don't be afraid to ask for help. And that's something that I had to learn pretty early on. I love, to, I'm pretty independent. I love to do things by myself, but you can't as an entrepreneur, you're not an island. You have to bring in people who have your back and who are going to help you. Mm. That being said, what does your peer group look like and how do, how do you decide who can actually be around you? You know what I mean? That's Supporting it. to protect your energy. Absolutely. Yeah, you absolutely have to. And as an entrepreneur, you realize as well that not everyone is going to support you and not mm -hmm. everyone can understand what it's like to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. uh, and and your priorities shift and change. You have to make sacrifices. And if people don't understand that and don't see your dream and, and support you to get there, you you have to learn to let them go. Everyone's not going to be with you in the long term. Sometimes it's for a reason. Sometimes it's for a, a season, season. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's for a lifetime. And you have to really make those hard decisions to figure out who's going to be around you. Because like you said, you can it can be an energy suck in the end. And you need to have people who are going to be supporting you through, mm -hmm. through all of this. Okay. I want to shift a little bit. Being CEO means that you're in a leadership chair. And I know that there's an underrepresentation of women in tech. And so oftentimes you've been quoted saying that, you know, sometimes you don't have anyone to listen to. But someone that you did uh, find uh, and discover was Jessica O. Matthews of Uncharted Play. Um, before getting and um, discovering her, what did leadership look like to you and how has she impacted you to change what you thought leadership looked like? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I, I think I've only seen leaders who are uh, who didn't look like me. So mm -hmm. all the CEOs and all the people in the C-suite uh, tended to be white and male. Um, so I never had someone who reflected who I was mm -hmm. and, and how I talk and act and look uh, and think. Mm -hmm. um, so having someone like Jessica Matthews um, or even a lot of these women now who are starting to, to jump into tech, uh, Buzma St. John of Uber is mm -hmm. a great example. Um, she just is unapologetically herself. Yes. And the more we have people who are visible in those roles and, and show that leadership can look like something different, mm -hmm. um, really empowers and inspires everybody else. So, yeah, we were lucky to have Jessica at our Black Women Talk Tech event mm -hmm. um, in February at Google. And she was just so honest and open about who she is as a leader. And she doesn't apologize for it. And I think more women, particularly, mm -hmm really need to be like that and, and own who they are and not apologize for it because other people aren't. Absolutely. Um, what's your favorite quote? Why? My favorite quote is, um, everything will be all right in the end. And if it's not all right, it's not the end. And I love that. That has, yeah, that's brought me through some hard times for sure. I think, uh, 
it, it really makes sense. You know, you, you sit and you can spin your wheels and you can agonize about things that are going wrong. And then literally the next day could be cleared up yeah. and you're fine, especially as an entrepreneur. Yes. So keep your eye on the prize yeah. and and keep going. And you in, in the end, it's, it's all going to work out. Um, there's really nothing that's too dire that you can't make it through. Humans are resilient. We, we, we can we can push through. Yeah. Okay, um, so this is a question that no one can escape the Create Your Life series without answering. Okay. What three things would you tell someone looking to create their best life? Hmm. Uh, take a risk. Don't mm -hmm. be afraid to uh, go after your dreams. I think fear holds people back, so make sure that you take a risk. Mm -hmm. uh, be true to yourself. So you don't have to follow the path that everyone else is doing or that your parents tell you you have to do or your peers tell you have to do. Mm -hmm. um, the, the people who are making the biggest changes are the people who are going off the beaten path. And um, I would say just keep your eyes on the prize in the long term. Um, I think people kind of fret about what's going on uh, right in front of them. Mm -hmm. But like I said, things will be all right in the end. So So make sure that you're... You have these long-term goals and you're slowly inching towards them and, and you'll get there. Okay. Uh, so this is the part of the interview that goes in reverse. Okay. You have the opportunity to ask me any question that you want and I actually have to answer. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to ask me anything about my entrepreneurial journey, my life, et cetera, it, you have the floor. So in all of your wisdom, mm -hmm. what have you learned uh, that helps people create their best life and reach the, their goals? Um, what have I learned? We have about 85 shows recorded. I think you might be the 85th. And I think that in my, my personal testimony and also, you know, with the majority of people who have come on here and answered that specific question, mm -hmm. it is always boiled down to being authentic and doing what it is that matters to you, mm -hmm. you know, and really understanding that, you're going to be the one traveling the road less traveled. Mm -hmm. Accept it. If you're really uh, going to find and be who you want to be and create the life that you want, it's going to look interesting to everybody else. But the long game is, is that they're all going to jump on board later. Mm -hmm. So you just have to deal with that, you know, initial kind of like, well, what are you doing? Um, so I think that being authentic to yourself, I would also say being bold. Is in order to be a trendsetter and to really go out there and say, you know what, I'm not doing this. I'm going to do that. I think that that is. It's hard. It's frustrating at times, but it's rewarding at the same time. Um, for me, as an entrepreneur, um, I mean, I was in second grade. I was literally given us uh, charging my schoolmates a quarter or, you know, decorated pencils for helping them with their work in class. But I didn't really have a job when I came out of college. And I've I've worked like little jobs here and there. But for the most part, I've been an entrepreneur the whole time. And a lot of my peers who are entrepreneurs now or have become entrepreneurs have had these full time jobs for a while, you know, like yourself mm -hmm. and have these advanced degrees. For me, I've been learning kind of like school of hard knocks, but I do have a degree in business. And so that looks different than most people's experience in their journey. And the roller coaster, I've been on it for years and years you know I won't even say how long and so it's just but you have to be true to yourself because at the same time you know sometimes it's okay well if you were working a nine to five and then you were doing your you were moonlighting 
then I actually had this conversation with my guy brother yesterday. I was like, man, you know, things just look so different for me. You know what I mean? Where if I would have, you know, done a nine to five and then moonlighted. And he said, but you wouldn't be as far as you are now. And I was like, you're right. I have climbed some mountains. And so, you know, you just got to do what works for you. And I know for Kevin, I'm too rebellious and I'm me. So I know that I did what I thought I was going to be the best thing. And I also didn't uh, give myself the option to do anything else. So I backed myself into a corner that I knew, mm-hmm. you know, I had no to go. No plan B. Yeah. No plan B. Not at all. <laughs> um, okay. So thank you for that. Do you have any other questions? It's up to you. Totally like on the spot. Yes. Yeah. I have another question. So okay. out of all 85 uh-huh. that you've had on the show, what's the best piece of advice that you've gotten or heard? Oh, man. That is... That's tough. What's the best advice that I've gotten? I've gotten a lot of good advice. Um, and just the opportunity to learn from so many dope people. I think that one of the best things that I've learned is, is that the power of listening and not taking yourself too serious. Because even myself, I take myself serious at, from time to time, uh, but I enjoy... Uh, being human and every time I'm around somebody else who's doing amazing things such as yourself and some of our past guests it's humbling that you would come and sit sit and spend time with you know and and have this conversation and engage in this dialogue so I think really just number one remain humble also be willing to listen and to pivot because other people know a lot of amazing things and I think that the smartest people know that they don't know it all so you definitely Mm -hmm. have to be able to uh you definitely got to be able to pivot. Yeah, keep learning. Yeah. I mean, Noah's, what, 23? I'm learning from this guy all the mm-hmm. time, you know? Yeah. And it, it just, you just have to be open. Mm-hmm. And once you're open, you know, you, you, my best friend, Josh Martinez, he says, you know, you, you, you eat the chicken, you eat the meat, throw away the bone. Uh-huh. So, you know, <laughs> you like eat, eat what, what serves you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. That being said, any more? I, I think that's it. Okay. All good. <laughs> um, so what's next for you and keep up? So what's next for Keep Up is that we're really pushing this business tool. So that's uh, really our next thing, building that out, Mm -hmm. getting more users in. Right now we're in beta, so we have people on the app testing it, uh, making sure that it's working, making sure our features are working, and then sort of scaling and going to the next level. Mm -hmm. And then also building out uh, Black Women Talk Tech. We have an an acquisition workshop coming up on Tuesday that you Mm -hmm. mentioned, the secrets of getting acquired. So the mission for black women talk tech is to create uh, black billion dollar companies and doing that through creating knowledge, research, uh, access to funding and, and promotional visibility. And so the, the workshop that we have on Tuesday is all about knowledge and figuring out how do you get your company acquired for a billion dollars we have an amazing group of women who have gotten their companies acquired, who are sort of passing on this um, this information that really just isn't out there. Yeah. Um, so so that's really exciting. We have our conference coming up also in February. We're mm-hmm. doing that again for the second year. It's going to be bigger and better. Bigger and, better. and then, yeah, just kind of eye on the prize. So how can people, number one, support you with the Keep Up app? Where can they go in order to, to download it, to, you know what I mean, be able to help you test it? And then number two, where can we go to get the tickets for the event for Tuesday? So you can go to uh, www.keepupapp.com. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can sign up there or you can find us on the iPhone as well. Uh, we can download that for free. And then if you go to blackwomentalktech.com, mm-hmm. you can find tickets for the event. We're actually um, almost sold out. So closing yeah. that list up today. Okay. <laughs> so you okay. have like probably a couple hours to get in, yeah. but uh, still have a couple seats left. So if you're interested in that, uh, mm-hmm. you can apply for the event on Tuesday. Okay. Awesome. Um, Lauren, thank you so much. Oh, one, one quick question. What about Android users? You know, can we get some love? You know, <laughs> you know, we, I, I might yeah. be the only non-iPhone <laughs> user in this room. We but. always hear about that every time we say iPhone. But again, it's it's about the development. It's about choosing yeah. the channels that make the most sense for your business. And and for us, it was iPhone. Yeah. And so you know, it's just over here cracking up. <laughs> I don't find this humorous. Number one, not just playing. Okay, well, Lauren, thank you so much for uh, being here on the show. Really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was uh, great. Absolutely, pleasure.